track you're about to listen to is Trying to Find a World That's Been and Gone by Noel Gallagher. This is being covered by Cameron Crease. Pigment Podcast is sponsored by Huskarl. Go to huskarl.co.uk and use the discount code BLUEPIGMENT for 15% off. Get yourself some t-shirts, stickers, baseball caps, hoodies, printouts and many more products from Huskarl. Blue Pigment Podcast, sponsored by Huskarl. Hi everybody, today I'm joined by Paul. He is a chartered physiotherapist, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, and uh, he is the host of Grappling with Physio podcast. How are you today, Paul? Yeah, good, thanks, Ash. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all, actually. Uh, rush rush of a day, but uh, glad to have you on. Glad to have a uh, time to speak to you. I've listened to some of your audio clips from your own podcast before, and I've heard you know, the bits that you've done on other podcasts, like um, the Reorg podcast. Um, and I re yeah, really enjoyed listening to you and your story. So I wanted to get you on, on board with Blue Pigment Podcast so we could talk about um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, being a, a physiotherapist and, you know, the creativity within that. Because just, just straight off the bat, this is kind of like a question straight off the bat. Being a physiotherapist and being into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, when you're throwing somebody about <laughs> or folding them up like a pretzel you must know this is the part of the body this is where that muscle or that ligament attaches to this part and this part and when you're folding them up you do you do you envision like the the inside of their body getting contorted when you're beating them up <laughs> yeah you know, i've never thought about it like that but um no, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm usually too busy kind of like controlling my own breathing and stopping that person from doing that to me. But um, a, a lot of the time what happens is as soon as the sparring's finished, somebody always makes a beeline for me and they're like, oh, I just, this hurts or this hurts and what do you think it is? And I'm just like, oh God, I'm off the clock here. But you, you, it becomes automatic. You just, you start going into, well, it could be this and it could be that. And, you know, and, and you, 
next thing you know, you've, you've, you've assessed them, diagnosed them unofficially. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it definitely enhances whenever I'm going to like a seminar, or I'm going to a top level instructor and he's talking about how a manipulation of a joint, you know, works. I've already understood exactly why, you know, because of my knowledge of anatomy and you know, the body and anatomy. So I can definitely understand it. Does it make it any easier to defend it or stop it? No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely not. Especially when somebody's a higher belt. Uh, but yeah. That's a, it's like uh, two good businesses to be in, I guess. So you can go to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, fold someone in half and then create a, a customer <laughs> for your, uh, your therapy. Yeah. That would be very unethical for me to do such. How could you, how could you accuse me of such a thing? <laughs> no, no, I don't, no, I don't know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I, I always say this and I, and I try and talk about this in my podcast. It's not a question of will I get injured in, in BJJ? It's when, and it's, you know, the stats are there. You're going to experience some sort of ailment. Um, and, and my job, hopefully in the podcast and with my work, is to just make you understand how quick you can manage that injury, how fast you can get back on the mat, uh, so it doesn't keep you off the mat. It's the mat time that's so important to myself and other practitioners, and we get so much from it. So, you know, why should that injury keep you off the mat for longer than what it should be? You know, and, that, and that's what happens, you know, initially when somebody gets injured, if they pick up an injury, the initial, especially in the acute phases, the initial kind of instinct is to just not train anymore. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and prior to it kind of, I, I work predominantly in occupational health, so business to business, and I run my own practice, as you can see, the clinic in the background, where I work with one-on-one with athletes, mainly grapplers and BJJ practitioners but my, my job is to maybe say okay well you can't probably can't go back to rolling as intensely as what you were doing previously but you can still train and there is still other stuff that you can do there's movement that you can do there's specific exercises or an exercise regime that you can do that will uh, essentially keep you fit keep you uh, healthy or keep you processing the injury and it will keep you ready for when you do you know go back onto the mat um, and it, it, it's like, um, you know, like think of, uh, you know, like infantry training, you know, I'm an ex-infantry, you're still still in the infantry. You know, when somebody got injured, let's say, unfortunately, at a Catrick and they went to Williams Company, I think it's called, is it Williams Company, the rehabilitation company? I think each uh, division has their own uh, rehabilitation. Waterloo or, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I suppose each division have got their own. Uh, but whenever you go there, the instructors don't just go, yeah, okay, sound like chill out on your bed and just, you know, <laughs> do whatever. They get you training within the parameters that you're fit and healthy to do. And the idea is that when you go into rehabilitation, you are fitter and healthier. So when you can be reintroduced back into the mat or your training regime or platoon, that you can hit the ground running, essentially. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it across the two different, you know, if it's someone just for Brazilian jiu-jitsu and trying to get them back on the mat, if it's someone in military training, trying to get them back into the training so they can facilitate their role of the reason they've they've joined. Um, so, yeah, the, it would be good if, uh, you know, we, we could put more emphasis on maybe not getting, you know, not getting injured in the first place. You know, prevention is better than cure. But if you are to get injured, then you have to go through the process of, of the cure to get, and obviously being in that process isn't the best for your sort of mental health. When you're, you know, when you're busted and you're bruised and you're feeling vulnerable, then inside you start to feel the same way too. So, you know, go and getting to see somebody like yourself and getting you amended as soon as possible, getting you back into the swing of things is, is what's ideal, I guess. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that, that whole getting back into the fizz is also stopping you eating junk food stopping you lounging around on the sofa and playing video games or whatever it is you're doing um so when it comes to brazilian jiu-jitsu how much of that do you feel or you know is there an element of that that is really good for mental health you know getting on the mat and being active oh god uh i, I, I can't overemphasize enough how important it is uh, for your, your physical and your mental health. I think there's a couple of topics. Uh, I mean, before we get into that, I think there's a couple of topics you brought up there that are quite quite prevalent. We should talk about them. 
in terms of injury prevention, I mean, realistically, I don't think you can ever prevent injuries. They're going to happen at some particular point. Now, there are variables that you can manipulate and factors that you can control that make sure that you recover faster than others or that you recover as healthy and as, as quickly as you can. Um, you know, and, and those are things like, like three basic things. You know, there's no quick steps. Yes, once the trauma occurs, you've got to let the healing process happen and you, the inflammatory process will be triggered and the body needs to process that. But things like getting a good night's sleep, staying well hydrated and keeping as active as possible, you know, making sure you're getting the right diet and the nutrition, all of these things will help in adjunct to the specific rehabilitation program that you're given. So that, that, that's one thing in regards to, you know, like prevention is better than cure. There's only so much of that that you can essentially do, but it's having a good response and able to, when something goes wrong, to be wrong to be able to react to it very quickly and minimize the impact of injury. And regards to getting on the mat, I mean, I, I just become a real moody, uh, you know, I'd swear on this. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I become a real moody fucker. <laughs> I become a real miserable, miserable <laughs> bastard if, um, if if I can't get on the mat. And I train probably three, four times a week, uh, about an hour and a half each session. Uh, so for me, it's super, super important. Even when, like, when I was uh, on ex-Irish Guards, when I was in the Guards, you know, it was very important for me to remain fit and healthy. And you kind of, when you leave the army, you, you step away from that, it's, and you start working all the time. It's very hard to get that, you know, when you're in the army, fitness is part of your role and it's integrated into your daily activity. And outside of that, and you do a civilian job, you're working and you train in your own time. And sometimes you can be a bit demotivated. So it's very important. It, it really is. I mean, I, I always call it the, uh, especially when it comes to mental health, I always say there's uh, the, the grey cloud. And, and, and I don't think necessarily you have to be kind of like, diagnosed with PTSD or suffer that kind of um, any kind of like mental illness but I think having served and I've suffered with this previously there are just days where I'm just I look like I'm walking around tuna wasp and I, I it's this kind of grey cloud that catches up with me and, uh, and I've, I've had that every now and again intermittently since leaving the forces now obviously I've, I've lost some best mates and that has an impact upon it and going to jiu-jitsu helps me shape that grey cloud. It really does. And it, it's like a massive dump of endorphins, uh, clarity to the mind. And, you know, when I come off a map, all those little things, those little snags, you know, those, those little things that tap away at you, that bother you, they're just, oof, it's almost like flushing the, uh, the metaphorical toilet and washing away all the shit <laughs> and getting to start again. It's 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 absolutely fantastic, and and there's something there's something innate, especially in males, and and, and there are like you know the, the female population, you know there are lots of female jujitsu's judokas that do it, uh, that do the sport and probably get a lot from it. But speaking from the male perspective, there's something innate in all of us where you know you you, you just got to do something physical with your fellow man. You've got to be it sports, be it a non-contact, semi-contact sport. And for me personally, there's no better feeling than flipping, get on the map and rolling around with another bloke where I'm trying to strangle him or get a better position on him or vice versa. I'm fighting, I'm fighting that person off because it's adversity, essentially. And, and the more you expose yourself to adversity, you know, the, the more the, the more benefits you get from it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really, really important for my mental and my physical health, injury risk aside from that. It's very important for my mental health to get on the mat. Try, uh, one thing about jujitsu is there are quite a lot of parallel with the military. It's very tribal and there is a hierarchy. Yeah, so like in the, let's say if you're in a, uh, an infantry um, a rifle company, you, you know, you know you've got the, the, the pecking order at the top. From a non-commissioned perspective, you've got your company sergeant major, colour sergeants, your platoon sergeants, and then underneath that, well, you're kind of, you know, in the guards, we've got land sergeants. <laughs> I know that's a bit of a bony contention for everybody else. Um, we've got land sergeants, land corporals. Everyone, everyone else has got their corporals, land corporals. So there's a pecking order, but it's the same in jujitsu. You've got your head instructor, who's usually a back or a brown belt, whatever. And then there's obviously all the belts underneath. And then you get to a class. Everybody lines up in that belt order. The instructor goes around, shakes everybody's hand. Hello, welcome to the session. You know, and there's a warm-up phase. You do your warm-up, 
you do your skill, whatever you're learning for that particular day. And then there's the spa, you know, and then and that's, you know, you touch, touch hands, bump fists, quick slap, and then you go. And it's one of those sports that you can go like the clappers and not essentially, you know, get seriously injured or, well, yeah, yeah, majority of the time, not get seriously injured, but be able to then go again the next day, et cetera, or the day after. Yeah, I suppose that's it. With, uh, with it being a martial art, uh, you know, we talk about creativity and I talk about, the, you know, on the podcast, we always talk about the benefits of creativity. You know, you're hitting so many, with, uh, with mixed martial arts, you're hitting so many uh, good mental health, you know, bonuses, things that will bonus, you know, have a good effect on your mental health. You've got community, you've got physical activity, uh, you've got creativity and you're actually, you know, thinking of new ways and new situations to, to get in and get out of. Uh, like you say, there's that um, human connection because you're, you know, you're, you're having a scrap with somebody, but it's like that human connection. Um, how was that? So how was that sort of dealt with during COVID sort of times and how much of an effect did that have on the, the community of um, Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu community? No, well, I'm sure it definitely took its toll. All those things that you just just, just described, we weren't able to do. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was pretty rough. Um, put it this way, everyone in my house, my wife, my three kids, were getting tapped and strangled every opportunity. You've got to roll with someone. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it, we, I, I, honestly, I got the mats out in the back garden and I got my kids out so and it's play it's you know it's great play I've got two boys and an, and an older daughter and uh and we we're all on the mats playing around and it was just like right go all of you versus daddy get past my guard <laughs> yeah it's so, good fun I bet it's some good fun yeah with the kids and the family I bet it's yeah. abs absolutely absolutely good human connection and all that uh, definitely definitely and it's play as long as you make it playful I mean look COVID had a big impact initially um, and then obviously, I think how some gyms overcame it, they needed to keep the community. You can't just stop and you can't just go, well, well, that's us. All right. Because so many people depend upon that, um, depend upon it for their, for their physical and their mental health. And to suddenly not have that is, you know, be very detrimental. So a lot of gyms kept kind of communities going with Zoom classes. So you could do an online Zoom class. Uh, and that's very hard. You kind of, you know, the idea with, with, with JITS or, or BJJ is it's, you've got to work against someone. So, you know, you would do a Zoom class and initially you would go through various techniques that you could do as an individual, body movements, practice, hip escapes, etc. And then it kind of became a little bit redundant after about the first or fourth week. And you were like, oh, I've got to get a little bit more imaginative there. Uh, and then it was like introducing family members, uh, you know, lots of Zoom classes. I'd get like my daughter or, or my uh, son, like get a gear on, come on, you've got to do this with me. But dad, I don't want to, you've got no choice. <laughs> um, and, and then it, when the, you know, the bubble type thing introduced and you could have a, essentially a bubble. So you, you create a bubble, someone who was doing it and then be like, well, we'll, we'll form a bubble and we'll train in my back garden. And, and, and then eventually when all that kind of dropped away and they opened up the gyms, you know, it was like the mass exodus of everybody getting back to the gyms as, as, as fast as possible. You know, but unfortunately we'd lost a bit of time. We'd all lost a bit of momentum. <clears throat> your timing's off, your, your, your conditioning's off. And, you know, but these things, they come back and they have come back since then. Yeah, trying to get people back into it. So, so I imagine, like you said about uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you've got that hierarchy similar to the army um do is there sort of like a core core values like say in the british army as you know and i know core values courage discipline respect for others integrity loyalty selfless commitment does brazilian jiu-jitsu integrate core values into the training yeah i mean right so how it works this is a bit of a tough one to kind of explain uh so it, it, it right and, I, and i'm probably not the best person to talk about this but Jiu-Jitsu was born, there was a, a Scottish family that went to Brazil. They, they were the Gracies, okay? And then there was this top, he was a guy called Mitsu Maeda, and he was a Japanese judoka. And it was right at the time where they'd kind of changed judo and Jiu-Jitsu were very similar. I think Jiu-Jitsu, traditional Jiu-Jitsu and Judo were very similar, but they wanted to make a sport. They wanted to make Judo as a sport. And when you make a sport, you've got a rule set. 
So this guy went traveling to Brazil. They met the Gracie family. The Gracie family said, teach us what you know. And then they modified it. And they put the Brazilian stamp on it. And then from that, you've had loads of different teams break out. So there was initially, I think at the beginning, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which was very much a self-defense, uh, a, a form of self-defense martial art. And then since then, you've had the development of Jiu-Jitsu or BJJ as a sport. And the two are quite difficult. I'm probably not the best person to be talking about this. There's probably somebody out there listening to this <laughs> yeah. going, oh, he's getting, it, he's getting it so wrong. I hope I'm doing it justice. <laughs> but you've got, you've got lots of different teams. Now, some teams are more established than others. Some teams have a curriculum. Some teams have core values. Um, and, and other teams don't. And other teams have an unwritten rule that, and an unwritten rule and an understanding that when you come to the map, you leave your ego at the door. And, you know, if you're going to be a dick, you're going to get exposed very quickly because there's already, there's always somebody bigger and better than you. And I don't mean physically bigger. Um, I've been tapped out many times by somebody you know, a lot smaller, a, a, a lot of a, a smaller person, smaller frame, a lot younger, you know, and that can be kind of, well, if you don't have the, 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 the mental strength for it, that can crush a lot of people if you've got a weak ego. If you can understand the bigger picture and learn from it and go, well, I wasn't up to scratch on that particular sparring session, then yeah, it can, it can be crushing. But, the, the, but there are a lot of, once you get into jujitsu, it's not so much a, okay, right, here are our core values, this this is what we live by. It's almost like through attrition, um, anybody that turns up that doesn't stick gets kind of egos, arseholes, dickheads. They don't stay. You know, they get found out very quickly. If you're a bully, uh, you get found out very quickly, <laughs> super quick. <laughs> yeah, and then you don't see those people again. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and if I go to my gym, like in my gym, you look around and like if I start from my head instructor, like the guy's 98% blind and he's an absolute ninja. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he only needs 2% vision to destroy most people on, on the mat and probably in the street as well. Then I work, look at other people I, I deal with, uh, teachers, architects, forces, blue light services, um, anything that you can imagine. That's, Everybody like that is drawn to the challenge of BJJ. I know I particularly am because no day's the same. What you learn might be the same. What you learn one day, if you miss it and you're not there for that session, there's a chance that you, your instructor won't teach that again for maybe another six months or a year because there's so much to cover. And it's just like, ah, oh, I've just missed that. And I, you've not got a chance. So I'm digressing a little bit here, but core values it, 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 i suppose the army core <laughs> values slip straight into mixed martial arts you think about courage it takes courage to get in get on the mat you have to have the discipline otherwise you're not going to fit in with the the, the community respect for others again the, the whole community thing integrity you've got to be integral to you know to even to, the, the belt that you wear <laughs> if you're wearing the wrong belt and you go up against somebody that's you know a black belt and you're telling everyone you know that you've progressed up this into that you, you know you, you, you get what i mean loyalty you're going to be loyal to your team and your your uh did you call it a dojo well yeah the dojo is where you go i mean what i think yeah, yeah. In they kind of refer to it as a school because you're learning and then so selfless it, commitment the one, yeah Selfless yeah, commitment, yeah. you know, when it, when when somebody from your school is going off to do a tournament or a fight or whatever, you'd go and support them and watch them. So, yeah, that you kind of hitting all the, the army core values, I think, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Absolutely. Or, or military, military. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like when somebody does compete, if everyone can make it from the club, we're all there. Even if it's just one person, we're there to support that person. And within our club, especially myself, I mean, I'm ex-guards. There's an ex-fusilier. There's an ex-para. There's two ex-bootneck Royal Marines. Um, so it draws in those military guys because, you know, it, it, it will. I'm sound like I'm selling it. But you know what? So what? Yeah, it fills that void. If you leave or step away from the forces and there's... You know, and for whatever reasons that you decided to leave, I'm sure they're, they're valuable. I have my own reasons, um, but you're still left with a bit of a void. It's very hard 
to replicate that camaraderie that you feel with your brothers, with your unit, with your platoon, your company, etc. I've never, the closest I've ever got to replicating that is with jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think uh, one of my previous guests, Caroline Walsh, she was saying the same thing. Um, she was a ex-CIA, ex-US um, Coast Guard, and now she does um, stand-up comedy and she she feels the same from that and and surfing so stand up comedy she's just surfing and stuff like that and she gets that same brotherhood or fam sisterhood family bond there are other ways of getting that brotherhood bond that we're talking about it doesn't have to you just you know it's not just the military you can get it from if you join a community project if you join a, a you know a brazilian brazilian jiu-jitsu school for example you're going to eventually get that bond you start from the bottom as you do in any profession and you you get to know everyone you work your way up and you and, and that's the way the way it rolls i guess um so my i've recently no, been getting, no pun intended no pun intended yeah. rolls. <laughs> <laughs> so i've recently been me and me, me and the family have been taking my little boy to uh like a, a martial arts lessons and he's only four four and a half he sort of sits at the sidelines just watches at the moment um but is there is there a is there an age that is best to get into it? Because I'm 35 now, and I've never been into sort of apart from when I was a little kid, I did some mixed martial arts classes. But and I've done some boxing um, training along the way, but I've never physically thought I'm going to get into this sport in a, in so much so that I want to go and compete because that absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> a 35 year old, and it's probably that ego thing of. You know, I've got a certain stature and people view me in a certain way. And for me to now go get into a sport, probably get filled in by some 12-year-old kid who's been doing it for the last six years or whatever. Um, is, is there an age and is there a, is there a good time or a bad time to, to start? Not really. You can do it. Any, uh, there's a saying jiu-jitsu for everyone and, and you should be able to. Like, I mean, if you scroll through Instagram enough, the algorithm might show you there's like 66-year-old black belts out there still competing to this day. Um, you know, how you roll and your game will determine how long you're in, in it, essentially. But it's a very interesting what you said. You know, I'm 35, I've got this certain state. You're a colour sergeant in the paras. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got a certain stature already a hierarchy but those are only hats those are yeah. only hats <laughs> hey you mean masks masks <laughs> no, I, mean, no, I, mean, I didn't mean to yeah say, i know what you're I saying you <laughs> i know what you're getting at leave it out i, I thought we'd get through the whole conversation without saying hat but no those are only hats or a mask is something that you hide behind a hat is what you put on and determines your social status metaphorically speaking yeah, yeah. those are only hats that we wear or positions that we play um, yes, you do have to start again, but, but that causes more development, that causes more growth at 35 to turn up to a session, to put on a kimono or a gi, as they call them, feel a little bit insecure and think, oh, I feel like a right dick here because it feels like you're wearing a pair of pajamas. Put a white belt on, you know, like a brand new white belt and think, God, I am, I feel like a day one, week one crow here, you know, and, and being in your position, it might be daunting. And then somebody grabs hold of you and throws you next thing. You're not going to think about any of that. <laughs> all that all, all, all that stuff, those things that we think, man, that's, that's gone. All you're going to think of is, right, now what do I do? I don't want to get strangled. I've got to move. I've got to, you know, I've got to breathe. I've got to get them off my back. And then you keep going and you just keep going and keep going. And then it becomes the point where it just becomes part of your life. And then that confidence you get from putting yourself uh, in an uncomfortable position you can then you know that can be transferable or it can run parallel to other situations if you don't like stand up you said about that person who's a stand-up comedian that absolutely petrifies me that absolutely petrifies me to try and stand up and convince you know people uh, i'm funny or make them laugh I, ju mm. I just think oh my god it's not it's not for me now like who's to say i don't know might it be a goal in the future or a challenge Maybe potentially, I don't know. It's not my bucket list yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but as an example, like it could, it could there'd be so many parallels. When I was, when I was a, a young guardsman, uh, and you know, I went on kind of courses, and they were like, like stand up in front of the rest of the platoon and go through orders, and you're standing up there and you're shaking 
all the Yoda's book thinking, God, everyone thinks I'm a dick and I, I can't do this and I'm going to fumble all my words. And then, you know, your instructor goes, speak up, project your voice. And, and you just go, you know, no, Jesus will help with all of that. All right. You know, because it teaches you to turn into the thing that you're most scared of. I, I, before I did jiu-jitsu, I boxed, I boxed for the Irish Guards, I boxed for my battalion, I boxed for my club, I boxed for my uni at a decent level. I stopped boxing and, you know, I got to a certain age where you can't do it anymore. But competition scared the shit out of me. And every time I had a fight, guaranteed, I'd probably, I'd be shaking with fear until I got hit that first punch you take in the face and you realise I'm not made out of glass, you know, and it's the same. Uh, I've competed a few times in jiu-jitsu. Not won a comp yet, or I've not won a bout yet. I'm keep I'm competing again in a few weeks. And when I think about it, I get I get an adrenaline dump and I get nervous. But it's not stopping me. It's not it's not gonna the fear is not gonna prevent me from doing. It. I'm not. I won't be succumbed to fear. I want to compete. I want to face the danger. Very much like when you're in the army. Army teaches you when you're up shit creek without a paddle that you run towards it, don't you? You don't turn and peg it the opposite way. You know, that, that's one of those things. And yeah, I think you're 100% right. It's that getting out of your comfort zone is where you learn how good you are. I mean, you don't, I'm saying this to everybody, everybody that's listening, you don't know how good you are until you are way out of your depth. And then you realize, hang on, I can handle this. And then you crack on. I mean, I know uh, from the podcast episode you did with the Real podcast. And obviously you do your own podcast, Grappling with uh, Physio. And I remember you saying on the Reorg podcast how the first time you made an episode and you were thinking, uh, who's going to listen to me? You know, who cares about what I'm going to say? Should I press send? Should I press send? Uh, send. And then you're that nervous because I did the exact same thing with, with this podcast, you know, nervous of what's everyone going to think of me? And then uh, now I just don't care because most people are so worried about themselves. They're, they're not really bothered about what, what we're up to. And then, and anyway, it, and what we're saying is is relevant, and it's it's important for some people to hear it. So, exactly, and, and that's that's an internal narrative or monologue. You've got to be very careful. That's the ego. That's the ego talking to you. That's the ego saying, "Play the grey man. Don't get outside of your lane. Stay within your comfort zone." Does does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you know, that's. that's the, uh, and that's very much a military thing, isn't it? Play the grey man. Is that, if, if, I don't know if you've read the book, The Chimp Paradox? Oh, yeah, got, I've got it, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it says it in there, doesn't it, about you've got one side yeah. of your brain that's just saying, stay in lane, don't do anything outside the ordinary, just just do what you do. You've got another side of that's getting anxious and excited about things because it that's the, the, the chimp side of your brain. And then it's not until your logical brain kicks in and goes, oh, actually... Why am I feeling like this? Why am I thinking like this? I don't need to feel like think like that. I can just go and do these things. And then once your logical brain is is, is sort of cut, cut up with you, um, you function a lot better as a person. And it's it's a really good way of uh, playing, you know, playing life and going through life as just sort of uh, at self-analyzing, I guess, self-analyzing yourself at every opportunity and going, why do I think like this? Why do I feel like this? How can I improve? But you can go too far. You can be over analytical you can be very self-critical to the point where it stops you from taking that step and having that you know that leap of faith and that's what it was with, with me with the podcast because uh, it was something different um it was like the primary physio podcast and i wanted to i wanted to speak to the physios i wanted to speak to orthopedic surgeons i wanted to speak to patients of mine i wanted to speak to military personnel who've made great recoveries and stuff like that and uh, and it, it just kind of it wasn't going that way and uh, I, you know and I'd, the first few guests were my patients and friends and people that I trained with and uh, and I just went hang on a second <laughs> I love jiu-jitsu I love physio uh, I love grappling and I love having a chat why don't I just call it something else and, and change it and then I haven't got the pressure of what I did previously so it's adapting you know to that situation um, but the, the problem is that internal monologue can be a little bit debilitating sometimes and, and it can, you know, stop you from uh, stop you from achieving what potentially, you know, you, you, you could go out there and, and achieve. I, um, I did have an issue. I think it was an insecurity issue, especially when I left the army, you know, because and it must be the same for reg every regiment 
I guess maybe paras are no different, probably a little bit more so, but they fill your head with so much, you know, we're the best at doing this, we're the best at doing that, they're all chippies, they're all crap, they're this, they're that, you know, we're this, we're that, and you can kind of buy into that a little bit now. I always kept my foot in the door, metaphorically speaking, you know, take all that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> so yeah, when it yeah. did come to, so when it did come to leaving, it was all about, you know, adaptability. I mean, I'll be honest, I joined probably like most people, social economic reasons, and I wasn't going anywhere and I didn't achieve anything at school. And the army for me was a way out. And, but it was great. And it was the making of me. It really was. And it's probably the making of most people. Um, but be, be able to, you know, take what you got from it, use it to the best of your advantage. Don't cling on to too much stuff, okay? Because that can slow you down. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So the guards, I would probably say, is one of the, the last bastions to the, uh, to the class you know uh, the, the class system all the officers have got second incomes uh double barrel surnames dave from the real podcast is probably going hang on a minute <laughs> he's got a double barrel surname yeah, as well yeah. but do you know what i mean the majority of them have got these double barrel surnames and they all went to eton or harrow or you know they're very well educated now there are some good ones and there are some absolute stinkers and they could probably say about the same about the ncos i'm only talking from my experience um but that can kind of keep you in your lane do you know what i mean that can be a really bad thing to say well don't get above your station because you know you're not from that background or you haven't had that education and it took me a long time to say, fuck all that bollocks that means nothing so when i left i had to go through this process of development and growth and go back to night school get to university and and again that was the most kind of like in, when i got to university the most intimidating thing at university at the age of 27 was being in a, a class with like very smart and articulate 18 year olds. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. a side of me that said, these fuckers have got no um, life experience whatsoever. They've not done a tour. They've not seen this. They've not seen that. But they didn't need to because they'd chosen a different path. And for me to hang on to that would be, you know, and be like, oh, this, I'm that. And then see it affecting my grades and my ability to learn and pass the course. It, it was too much. You've got to let it go. You've got to expect. So, you know over the course of a degree which a lot of the time in a medical degree is minimum three years you're not going to get everything right you're not going to be know it you're not going to be the top student you're not going to be the bright star you're not you're not going to this other this, the course is too big and there's other people at different levels all what matters is that you get your head down and you pass it and i failed a couple of modules and it was crushing you know fail, failing the clinical placement initially but it it, it forces you to be very uh, reflective and say, right, instead of like, what well, well, it was their fault, and pass the book or pass the blame, it forced me to go, well, what did I do wrong here? And then you, and then growth and development comes from that. And uh, again, I, I, I suppose there's parallels with JITS, and that's probably why I like JITS. I still get that to this day as a physio. There are situations where you could potentially get caught out and you think, oh, hang on a second. You know, you can't just pay lip service when somebody's paying, uh, paying you to assess them and you think, I think this is their condition. You've got to be concentrating and, and, and get it right. So um, I'm, I'm grateful for the for the forces for giving me that ability to reach my potential and uh, you know and, and to get outside of that. And I recommend anybody out there, you know, who's considering leaving, don't ever be, don't ever think you're limited to one specific thing, and don't listen to anybody else if they're not promoting you or actively getting behind you to say you've got the potential to do whatever you want. Yeah, that's, that's that's such a powerful message you just said there. Because a lot of people are in their forces. They're proud of what they do. They're proud of, I am this, I do that. Whereas when they leave, you, you are still the same person that did those things. So instead of being proud of what you do, just be proud of yourself. Be proud of what you've achieved. But then also think, I want to, you know, don't just say, I'm a proud of what I've achieved. That's that, put it to bed. Be proud of what you've achieved and think about what else you can achieve, what else you can do now that you're, you're, you're a free range, you know, agent, go do whatever you want uh, in the world, you know, hopefully for good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, when you, everyone should be proud of themselves 
yeah, have pride in your you know, your unit or have pride in your history, but be proud of yourself as well and what you've done and what you've achieved. And where do yeah. you where do you see your podcast going? So you know you've got your your podcast says your podcast says you know it says what's in the tin. You've got um, grappling with physio podcast. You've got the sports, the physio side, and the community and the conversations and, and talking side of stuff. Where does it where does it go from now? How how do you want to grow it? Um, it's a good question. Dave Dave asked me this from the real podcast. Um, the, the the most important thing is um, the podcast is is there for selfishly for a bit of my own development because I get to speak to people like yourself. Okay, you probably ordinarily wouldn't have had the chance to sit down and have a, a good convo, a bit of a conflab. Um, I, I, I get to meet people that, again, I probably wouldn't or ordinarily met. Um, it helps with development, personal, you know, being able to talk, communication skills. Um, so I really, I really like that aspect. And it, it you know what, it, it does, it has opened a few doors. Um, so it's it, not so much that, like, since I've been doing it, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're the physio, we want to come and see you. So from a business perspective, not so much, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but it is a hobby. And, and the most important thing is, same way Jits is a hobby, the podcast is a hobby, and that I enjoy it, and I have good fun, and I don't take myself too seriously with it, and I don't take the where I'm going with it. In all honesty, I, I, I'm a bit rudderless on that aspect. I don't know. I, I just, I'm kind of... I'm just going with it and I've got a list of people, I've got a list here and there's 30 names on that podcast of people that I want to get through. And when I get through that list, I'll write another list. And anything that happens in between now and then is a bonus, is an absolute bonus. Um, and where I'm going with it is as long as I can, as long as I can still put content out there and as long as I can still have a chat with people and debate and whatever you know like just do what we're doing now as long as i can continue doing that then i'll do it for as long as i like and and then that, that's great because selfishly i feel good for it and i get some great feedback i mean i've not got many subscribers <laughs> but it doesn't matter you know it's like i'll get a message every now and again well like, like yourself and saying oh, i listened to that and i really enjoyed it and if i can reach one person you know, because there might be somebody in my situation years ago who might be looking for that. and They might stumble across what I'm getting out there. And hopefully what I'm trying to get out there, oh, this is a bit deep and, you know, again, it's the ego, is the truth. I'm trying to get some truth out there, you know. So I'm not, not sugarcoat or bullshit anything like that and say, oh, this is great. You know, to get some truth out there, you know, and, and speak to people and let them say, yeah, I still struggle with this. Yeah, I did this. This was hard. You know, despite what you see on my Instagram profile, I'm still a father. I still struggle with this. I still struggle with that. So whether people can listen to that and relate to it. And, and, I, and I suppose that's, that's where, that's where I'm, I'm going with it. And there are a few other avenues, you know, in regards to getting some content, building an online course for injury management and, uh, doing jiu-jitsu has made me very confident and creative in other areas so there's a guy and i'm digressing a little bit here there's a guy I, I, I work with and he's um he's a he's a he's a film student at coventry university and we chatted last night and we're going to make a little mini documentary now if you said to me like you know and it'll be something that runs in the background all right because you know it doesn't have to be out straight away it'll be ready when it's done I'm going to do a little documentary, I don't know, maybe a 45 minute one or whatever. But if you'd have said to me before I'd started the podcast or two, three years ago, you know, in a few years, you'll be interested, you'll, you'll probably be looking or write a storyboard for a documentary. I'd have been like, no way, no, what are you talking about? But that's the, the beauty of Jits has given me confidence to be more creative. Uh, I suppose that's where I'm going. It's just that's to keep amazing. Doing, that's yeah, amazing. That's brilliant. Doing, yeah. To say, uh, uh, sorry, I've interrupted, but just, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. And because that's what I've done, you know, I've only been doing the podcast for about just under a year now. And I, I don't, I hate listening back to my first couple of episodes. I feel like, uh, you know, my first couple of episodes, I've got my phone voice on, you know, like, oh, hello, it's, uh, it's Ash here. <laughs> <laughs> like, probably, like, posh voice. Sound like, a, I listen back to it now, I'm like, you sound like a knob. 
<laughs> but uh <laughs> but from that i'm like right what i've developed from that to now my audios are better my visuals are you know slightly improved um where do i want to go from this now and each, each time i'm thinking where do i want to go now where do i want to go now so i'm developing just like you are you're developing and that it's that making sure you're staying creative so i'm i'm really excited about that don't you know however long it takes you to bring out this uh, documentary i think mean, that's a, that's a great thing that's a really it's drive it's got it's got purpose it's got vision and yeah you should definitely just definitely go with that i mean uh amazing stuff yeah cool stuff yeah i mean uh, you know and, it, and it, look it, uh, it's one of them it's like if it, if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but at, <laughs> at least i've tried at least you've got to try you know like if you if you have an idea or you've got a uh, uh, you've got a, a motive to do something then act you've got to act on it or you've got to it's all right to fail yeah mm. fail all the time but then learn from that failure all right you you've, you've got to i mean i've failed i've failed at, i've failed at shit loads of things <laughs> <laughs> but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger uh, i mean i failed that i talked about this um on Hughes podcast hr i had a private practice and i failed at it i sucked at run, running a, a private business as a sole income because i was working at the same time and i couldn't balance the two and it, I wasn't aligned to my priorities. Now, you know what it's like when you fail a course in the military. Yeah, you get a big fat Freddy and you put your flip in, you, you thumb up your ass and you think, oh, not literally, by the way. But, you know, the proverbial thumb goes up the bum and you just say, oh, shit. On the, on that. No, you're not. You failed. So what? You just get, get back on the flipping treadmill and get back on with it. And uh, don't be af afraid of failing. There's, there's a bit of an emphasis on that in the military. You should, it's like, I've got to pass every course. I've got to pass great. I've got to, you know, I've got to be this. I've got to be, I've got to be that. Some of the best, um, Jesus Christ, the sun is really burning me. <laughs> Good job <laughs> not that uh, some, some of the most uh, experienced guys uh, and the, the ones I learned the most from, I would say, reflecting back on my military career with those kind of 12, 13 year Lance Corporals, you know, that just did quite a few courses, you know, went through battalion, different companies, etc. Not necessarily the career flyers, you know yeah, what I mean? And, yeah. And, and I just think, you know, there's a place for those guys, those, you know, I'm not saying I was one, I'm just saying those are some of the people that I learned from and just, you know, you'll get so much more from failing. And, and oh, again, this is this is a parallel to um, parallel to jits. You, you'll fail every day. You will fail every time you're on the mat. You know, you'll think you're doing well, or you've got advanced to a good position, and bam, you'll get caught with something else, and you just think, oh, God, how did I fail? Oh. So you know, lo lo loads of development, and growth, and creativity because it forces you, you know, to think. All right, I don't want to go through that again. Or I don't want to do that again. What do I need to change? Hundred percent, yeah, massively. I did that on P Company, so I was seventeen years old when I first did P Company. Um, failed it. Well, it's got a stand-up fail, so I did the whole, the whole test week. You know, the whole uh, P Company got a stand-up fail on the square, and uh, I was so devastated and distraught that it gave me so much drive to do better. And um, since then, you know, I, I can't think of anything that I failed that it's been that, you know, fizz orientated or, or, or something like that. I've, I've been very driven to make sure that, I, you know, stay on top of myself with, with stuff like that, just because of, and that's just from a learning point of view. I learned something from being distraught is when, you know, how would they call it? Post sort of, I wouldn't say traumatic, but post-traumatic growth. I wouldn't say it's traumatic to, to fail, but, you know, I was distraught, but um, the growth from that and how you develop as a person is, is, yeah, failure is is where learning happens. So, totally agree. What, what, was, what was that like? Because did, did you have to go? In, did you have to rejoin another platoon or just another kind of intake of B company then? Yeah, so I, yeah, I got back. It was only like four weeks. I got back squatted to a different platoon four weeks, and then they did P company, and then uh, yeah, passed it on that one. Um, still devastated about it now, <laughs> but it's done, done and dusted. <laughs> Yeah, but like, but that Ash makes for a great story of what you said. Now you could have wrapped in on there, and you could have you could have been a green jacket, or they're no longer here. Sorry, you could have been you could have been a guardsman, all right? You can say that because you were a guardsman, right? Okay, yeah, I can say that because I mean, you could have gone off. I joined guards company. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's, it does you say... know what I mean. You, 
you could have joined, uh, you could have just gone, oh, I'll just do that. But you didn't. And, you, you know, you, you used it against you uh, and you went back in. That's the only problem. You know, like it's, uh, and, and, and there's a parallel with this with being injured from the mat or being back squatted, all right? You know, the tribe, you're, you're then detached, you're ostracized, you know, from the group. Well, at least that's how you and, feel internally, yeah. Exactly how you feel internally. Now, you know, go back to hunter-gatherer. If you were ostracized from the group, you couldn't hunt with the rest of the pack. Therefore, you couldn't eat. Therefore, you, you died. Yeah. Because you, you are, you, you, if you were hunting, you ate what essentially you, you killed. But if you can't hunt, Jesus Christ, if you couldn't hunt, then you got the leftovers or the scraps. And, and that's unfortunately, you know, head survival of the fittest. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's one of those things you used it in your, you used it for your motivation and you didn't fail again. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so, where can people find your stuff? You know, where can we find um, your podcast? What what platforms it on, and what other sort of things have you got going on that we that we could sort of advertise now for everyone? Yeah, sure. So uh, you can find me social media. I'm on Instagram, and it's just if you just search gra at Grappling with Physio podcast, or if, I think it's just Grappling. The handle is at Grappling with Physio. Um, I'm also on YouTube, so I've got my own YouTube page, and it's on most of the. Um, uh, 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 other outlets, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, yeah, whatever. It's all, it's on all of those. So the uh, the software links it to all podcast outlets. Cool. Well, I really appreciate having you on, Paul. Um, thanks a lot. No I'll problem. put all the links to if you. I'll put all the links to your um, YouTube and your podcast on to this episode. I really appreciate having you on. You covered off some really good points there. Any any last final points that you want to? say or talk about get on the mat <laughs> find a find a bjj school don't worry about how how old you are or what rank you are or whatever it is your social setting you saying this to, straight to me <laughs> no, just, I <laughs> just me you ash you get on the mat <laughs> i'm gonna fill you in <laughs> get on the, anyone out there get 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 yourself on the mat find a bjj school and get and get rolling and uh yeah that's that you you will definitely uh you will definitely it will be a life-changing experience i guarantee i guarantee it and good luck <laughs> thank you very much paul it's been a pleasure having you on uh speak yeah. to you soon Cheers, Ash. You're listening to Blue Pigment Podcast. If you want to become a patron of this show, please go to patreon.com forward slash blue pigment. You will be helping me help the talent that I find along the way. Not only that, the podcast is an advocate for mental health and the positive message in which we want to send about mental health. So if you are a bit about that and you want to jump on board, then please become a patron at patreon.com forward slash blue pigment. Uh, would love to have you on board and not only that uh, you'll get the chance to get some free stuff and be giving another big giveaway soon to find out what it is go to patreon.com forward slash blue pigment become a patron and get yourself some free stuff the opinions or views expressed on this podcast are solely of my own or the guests and do not represent the opinions or views of anybody else or the ministry of defense Shawshank Redemption. Chicago! You're out of there!